Hello, everyone. A very quick one from me. It would be a massive help to us with our ambition to help as many recruiters as possible achieve their goals and also inspire the next generation to choose recruitment as a career if you hit that follow and subscribe button. If you're someone that prefers to learn in a visual way, we've also recently invested a lot in our video podcast experience. So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Hisham Aziz, and on this week's episode, I was joined by a Scotsman in Brian Fraser, who works for a company called 920 Recruitment and focuses on the marketing and digital space, which he's been building a market around for the last five years. What I love about Brian's journey is just he oozes passion for his industry, for growth, He's developed his mindset. He's huge into building self-awareness and overall a great guy who's worked extremely hard to build a name for himself in this space and industry that he recruits in. We spoke about community building. We spoke about business development strategies. We've spoken about building your personal brand to drive business opportunities and so much more. Enjoy the episode. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, sir. Excited. Thanks for joining me. The number of Scottish recruiters that we've had on this podcast, I'll be honest, I don't know why. There hasn't been loads. I know. I don't know if anyone will think I'm Scottish with this very strange accent, but yeah, bit of variety for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, really looking forward to this. Spice so <laughs> just to give everyone just some immediate context, career highlights so far, where you are on your recruitment journey, coming up to the five-year mark in recruitment, stayed in the same organization. You started as a candidate manager in a 180 role in 2018. And since that point, you've sort of gone on this journey of climbing the ranks where you now find yourself heading up the digital marketing division for your organization. There's three of you in that team. It's all perm recruitment and you're really doing everything that you can to build the reputation in the Scottish market of, you know, being great consultative recruiters in the marketing and, and digital space. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about business development strategies, how you've opened up doors, how you've built your brand online, your journey with leadership and much more. So where we always like to start is a million pound question. So I'd love yes. to sort of hear your take on this, particularly as you've now, you know, hired and added people to your team. What do you believe, Brian, are the common characteristics and traits of successful recruiters in today's market? Let's start there. Yeah. So like you said, million dollar question. I think, um, you know, everyone tends to say a lot of similar answers. And I think, um, you know, what everyone has said in your podcast you know, previously spot on resilience, you know, I think that's a word we use daily in recruitment, you know, that's absolutely bang on and things like having a purpose as well, you know, I think the more driven you are, the further it will take you. But definitely I would kind of say areas that I've found that I've had the most growth in and team members have is probably having self-awareness. And I think that's something that can really kind of be built and you can almost kind of train into yourself as well. And I guess what I mean about self-awareness, if I think back to when I entered the world of recruitment I was a bit of a firecracker a bit of a loose cannon I think and it's almost kind of beginning to you know think about that kind of growth mindset and thinking about you know what are you saying what are you doing what's going on in here what's going on out there as well and I think that really takes you far in recruitment recruitment's definitely a career where you climb the ranks so so quickly and I think with that you need to almost kind of accelerate your own growth as well 
So I think definitely just kind of having that self-awareness and knowing the impact of what you do, what you say, what you feel, and knowing how to almost analyze that, I think can go a really far away. And it kind of falls into the whole kind of growth mindset piece as well, which I think a lot of our, us recruiters are quite into and really feed upon. Mm. I love the self-awareness piece. Curious then, what were some of the habits that you started to incorporate in you know, your daily life? weeks that helped you build that self-awareness do you think yeah so i think it's definitely sometimes just stopping and thinking maybe before you talk or before you do recruitment such an emotional career to be in and it can be so volatile you know things can draw you're dealing with humans essentially you know that's the product we've been dealt with so i think just being able to stop for two seconds and think before you act goes really really far but also there's a few things that I again I've heard kind of other guests in your podcast talk about is doing things like journaling as well you know actually reflecting on your day so the end of each day I take just like a minute maybe I reflect on what I've done been to the gym great but also what's gone great in work because again it's quick for us to focus on the negatives and what went wrong but what went right you know so definitely just probably that self-reflection piece sitting down every night is really important but also just stopping and kind of recouping and thinking of what's going on in there is so important i really like that for me yeah definitely a big fan of journaling and i really sort of intentionally make space for myself to think i think sometimes we're either on our phones texting listen to podcasts listen to music these things oftentimes we can find ourselves you know always having external inputs so habit that i've been definitely don't do it every single day but I'd say over the last six months more often than not I won't go on my phone for the like the first hour or so and, and that's been really helpful to just have time to think yeah I, I think with the content out there you're totally right there's so many things that we're fed nowadays and even on LinkedIn you know you have these kind of entrepreneurs and you know 5am club and things like that and that's as much as we'd all love to be like that you know we're not all built that way and you know humans are so so complex and social media imposter syndrome you know so I think definitely switching off reflecting so so important let's get into this then where I wanted to start is the way that you described the Scottish market to me was it was like a fishbowl yes right yes and obviously what I was taking from that is that it's a small market right there's plenty of amazing people in that part of the world plenty of amazing thriving businesses however sort of what you was alluding to me was you always speak to mm. someone that's one person away from knowing who Brian is or if you delivered a bad experience for someone that could very easily spread to the people that you're looking to you know support and build a network and build a community with so i wanted to start with with that in mind with how you described the the market what have you firstly done to differentiate yourself because that means it's even more competitive so let's start there like over this journey over the last sort of nearly five years what have you done you feel to really stand out amongst your peers and your competitors, bearing in mind that it's a, a super localized competitive market. Absolutely. So completely what you you kind of what you said there, it is a fishbowl and it's so, so small within Scotland compared to say down in England and other markets like the US and um kind of word word spreads quickly, like you said, if you if you get a good experience and as I've kind of worked through the years, very quickly you hear if our recruiters delivered a bad service. And typically I would say where I've kind of heard bad feedback has perhaps been recruiters not understanding their market or understanding technical requirements and just knowing digital marketing creative within Scotland. So one thing I would say over the years is definitely just becoming a master of this market, you know, knowing it inside out. So if you're recruiting for a paid social media manager, it's very different from an organic social media manager, knowing the differences, knowing the platforms and 
going as far to even playing with those platforms and really understanding them. So I would say really understanding the market inside out, getting to know the businesses within the market. You know, we talk about market mapping. That should just be something, you know, you have on your computer, you've built out through the years, just really understanding things very, very deeply. And again, understanding and knowing your stuff then bleeds out to your clients and candidates. You know, when I talk to candidates, it's more like I'm speaking to friends, I would say, you know, we can talk about marketing, we can talk about Google Analytics 4, which is a kind of new update, talk about that, talk about AI and marketing, that type of thing. And again, with clients, they understand that I understand marketing. So what I would say is probably differentiating myself is just really understanding the market. And I would say, I sometimes almost feel like I work in marketing than recruiting in marketing, if that makes sense. So, you know, it's, it's not that I'm just a recruiter, but I feel like I truly am a marketing recruiter, you know, like almost the marketing comes before. So I would just say knowing your stuff, building your credibility goes so, so far because I think people can just see through, I don't know if I can swear, but people can see mm, through right. BS straight away yeah. if, you, if you're just trying to be a salesy guy, you know. Mm. So yeah, bit of a waffle there, but just know your stuff, really immerse yourself in it all. So let, let's just talk about this for a second. So what you're saying there, it sounds like is like you're not trying to be as competent as a paid social media specialist. However, what you've committed to over the years, which you feel like has given you a competitive mm-hmm. advantage is being really committed to being curious about what it is that the people you work with do. If that's playing around with the platforms, if that's learning in your own time, if it's asking great questions, and then you're sort of showcasing that and talking about your curiosity and your passion for the industry rather than yeah, just speaking to people about their jobs, their salary, what they're looking their next move. That's what it sounds like, because I don't want people to feel like you have to become as good as the people you're placing, because I don't actually believe that to be true. But it sounds like what you're saying is that you've been really committed to being curious around your market and taking a real genuine interest. Absolutely. And I think you know, there are so many different successful recruiters out there. And I think it's such a large market and there's enough pie for everyone. I think so many people can have different approaches and have you know different techniques in the way that they do recruitment. I would say that's kind of what's worked with myself and the way I, I approach recruitment. I definitely just be myself, you know, be authentic. And I'm generally interested in the market that I recruit in. So I think that just kind of really bleeds out to the people that I talk with. So for me, that's definitely something that works because it shows that I'm credible and I know what I'm talking about as well. But as you said, all those other things are really important as well. You can recruit from a job spec or really kind of understand those deep questions. You know, what what is someone looking for? What gets them out of the bed in the morning? You know, those types of things. But I would say that's just definitely what's worked for myself is just really becoming part of the market. And I know later on we'll kind of discuss the event that you know mm. i've been hosting and the fact i'm trying to build a community as well and i think um over the years it means that kind of brian's became a go-to marketing recruiter just because pe- people tend to know me and the market is small mm. so you said earlier you used to be a bit of a loose cannon yeah <laughs> yeah definitely what did that look like in the early days of brian oh god oh god yeah um i would say oh god i, th- I think i remember probably again like highly emotional you know if deals fell through I-, I remember this one time i think can't remember the exactly what happened just a deal fell through Some- something went peaked on you know it went it went pretty bad and i remember going in a boardroom and i think i think i was close to crying <laughs> and i'm like i don't think i would cry ever and i think that's a really good thing about recruitment it really we use that word resilience all the time but i think it's a career where you grow so much like you go if you do it the right way and you really work hard i think the growth acceleration is insane and just back then i would just say i, I would go into calls with just clients and now when 
when I when I look back, I'm like, oh my god, was, like how was I coming across or with candor? It's just just again, it was that piece of not thinking before I was speaking. And that's something I'm still developing every day. I still feel like I do that, you know. But I definitely would say I look back nearly five years ago and I, I feel like I was like a wee 18-year-old boy that was just coming into the room and kind of, you know, like hoping for the best type thing, you know. So, okay. So I think a lot of people can relate to, you know, crying, deals dropping out, all that. Let's just cast back to that moment for a sec. I know, I don't, you know, yeah. it could be quite hard to go back there, but <laughs> I know, you know, with hindsight, there'll be people listening to this that are in that moment right now. What is it that you think you'd, you'd say to Brian, if you was in that boardroom, you was extremely emotional, you just had some rejection. Now you're gonna have to call a client saying, I'm really sorry, they're not accepting your job offer or what, whatever it is. Like, what do you think you'd say to Brian that would help him hopefully in that moment just understand mm. or like get through it basically well what is it that you think you try and yeah. get through to Brian in that moment that would help him come out the other side sure definitely I kind of went down this uh, kind of journey of reading you know self-improvement books and law of attraction so definitely all of that stuff helps however going way back in the Fraser family there was actually a phrase my grandma said to me okay. <laughs> you know my grandma who was you know a keen gardener not a recruiter at all and she used to always say I would remember like in a little floral chair floral carpet and she would say it'll pass you <laughs> know and I think that is so true in life you know I don't know in life, you you get so anxious about things. You know, you experience things like imposter syndrome. You know, it's it's really really tough. And recruitment is one of those careers. You know, it's it's why we talk about it. You know, in the way that we are, it's such a tough career. And it's just remembering it will pass. Like absolutely, it will pass. If it's one deal, that's a drop in the ocean. If you're looking at your at your week, it's one thing that happened in your week. If you're looking at your month, quarter, your year, it is a drop in the ocean. And it's more about how you rebound from it. You know, if you're, if you really get down in the dumps, which absolutely I did, you know, I cried. I probably pretended I was working on my computer the rest of the afternoon, but was actually seething underneath. You know, I was, I was livid and got no work done. And probably that impacted my whole week. Whereas now it's a case of, you know what? Come on, like we're, we're going to get them better candidates. We're going to give a better service. You know, just remember, as my grandma said, it'll pass. But I will. <laughs> Great advice. I really like that. And then just on this, just talking about very quickly, just focusing on for those listening that might be quite early on in their careers, what is it that you think people listening can really focus on becoming world-class at or really committing to becoming great at in those early months that you think could avoid them being in that boardroom going, I've got to fucking drop out. I fucking hate this job. I want to quit. Is there anything specific looking back that you think, you know what, if I really just got better at focusing on that part of the recruitment process or made sure I asked those sorts of questions, whatever it may be, it could have given me a better chance to having less of those experiences. Obviously, we, have, we can grow from, we can learn from. Talk to me a bit about that. What comes to mind? This podcast is proudly sponsored by Sourcebreaker. And today... I wanted to talk to you about sales opportunities and how Sourcebreaker can help. Because are you tired of the competition beating you to new sales opportunities? Do you want to make more placements from your existing resources? Who doesn't? Transform the way you work with Sourcebreaker. Revolutionizing recruitment with AI-powered technology, Sourcebreaker powers you with laser accurate search results across all your sourcing platforms to build candidate pools filled with highly qualified individuals all from one place, not from multiple tabs in different places. 
you will get perfect fit opportunities automatically tracking relevant vacancies and events in your market niche in real time and pre-built automations that constantly scope your markets to deliver high quality results at speeds your competitors simply can't match. Head over to sourcebreaker.com for more information. Back to the episode. Yeah, so I would say, you know, that kind of word we probably use a lot in recruitment is probably there are so many nuances to the role, you know, there's so many things that you can always improve on. And I think it is probably that mindset of always trying to improve and always trying to be better. But one thing I would say is just really nailing down processes, you know, be really, again, I say this, and this is personal experience, and I do know there's some amazing recruiters out there who maybe aren't the most organized, you know, and again, everyone's got a different technique. So I definitely would say really nail down on processes, because if you have everything nailed down and you know what is what, then you're almost trying to kind of make a process bulletproof. One thing I probably would say as well is, again, that's myself saying to be incredibly organized and find processes to work that type of thing, but that may not work for the next person. But one thing I kind of wish I had done earlier was probably just be more authentic and kind of be myself. Like I think when I entered the world of recruitment, kind of had to think I had to kind of be the guy going in the boardroom in a shirt, say the corporate lingo, that, that type of thing. And that probably didn't get me as far as when I finally realized, you know what, I'm just going to be myself and I'm just going to be Brian. And I think when you're being yourself, you're being authentic and you're comfortable in yourself, I just feel like you excel much further. And I think in that kind of early days, worrying about others, worrying about my manager thought with a deal falling through. So I, I would definitely just say, definitely try and nail down processes, you know, do all of that stuff if that works for you. But just definitely be yourself, you know, just try and become that best version of yourself, really. And just quickly, just to focus on the how here. So when you say now that process, what do you mean? Do you think if people listening were to really double down on, I don't know, the candidate qualification or I don't know what comes to mind in terms of what thing can everyone, because there's a, there's a lot going on, there's a lot to learn. But if you were to think about that process, and I know not everyone may have a process, but let's be honest, you should, if you listen to this, you yeah. should have some sort of process that you're sure. following. Uh, what do you think people could should really become laser focused on that hopefully they'll thank themselves for later on in the process? Do you think what what do you think they should yeah. really know i think it is just like you said it's every single process every single call that you have you know you're constantly thinking you're thinking pre-qualification you're thinking pre pre-closing the person way way before you're asking them what processes they're in what do they what do they need to be jumping and you know jumping up and down and accepting an offer from you in future what is going on so it literally is every single call knowing every single bit of information when it comes to my guys, you know, that that's kind of something they've probably learned in their journey where maybe they've gone into a process and forgot to ask one question and that can make a deal fall through. And, you know, it's a case of you learn that for next time, you know, or you, you try and grow. So it would just be every piece of the process, just trying to be as precise as you possibly can. You know, you should you should document every, if you're a person who can remember great, you might be a person who has to write everything down. So write every single piece of information down because something may trip you up later on, but also, one thing as well is definitely don't put your eggs all in one basket. I would say that is like a massive thing in recruitment. Like I think all the time we're like, yes, we've got the golden candidate. That's great. But again, do we have them? What's going on in their head? We're not mind readers. So definitely don't put all your eggs in one basket. Always think of every case scenario, you know, have a plan A, B, C if you need to. Awesome. So let's sort of fast forward this a bit. I want to talk about Brian going on this journey of becoming a successful 360 recruiter. A lot of people listen to this podcast, a lot of people that are in our industry right now are definitely in the trenches of becoming a successful 360 recruiter are expected 
by their employees to bring on more of their own clients. And that oftentimes can be a really difficult and challenging period for a lot of recruiters. So let's just sort of hone in for a second on that period where you really had to start building credibility and traction in winning your own clients and managing the entire process. Why don't we just start with, you know, what were some of the early challenges when the expectation was then put on you on bringing more of your own clients, you're no longer can just sort of rely on the house accounts, the longstanding client relationships. Brian, we want you to be bringing in at least two new clients per month, wherever those expectations are. What were some of the early challenges when you found yourself, you know, on that journey, do you think? Definitely it's very daunting if you, if you have came from that 180 background and obviously as we all know, just now the market has changed changing more towards 360 you know it's just really scary I think you're always you're always just thinking rejection you know if you're picking up a phone or doing an email or a link to message whatever you know method you're using you're always probably scared of the what if you know you're always um, thinking worst case scenario the thing that I would probably say when I began going into it is probably that hesitation and overthinking it it probably is just kind of going straight in and going for the jugular you know so don't hesitate don't don't second think and think oh what if they say no the thing is if you if you reach out to 20 pros prospects and two of them go warm look at the business that you can generate from that so I, I would just really say just dive in head first but also just kind of be strategic in the way that you're doing it again going back to what you said about processes and such like again document everything if you have market maps you know if you you have a candidate in that area so for example I work in e-commerce if I work with one e-commerce business let's say and I'm successful recruiting for them and I'm talking to candidates, I'm asking them where are they interviewing and then looking at the live vacancies, building a market map, building a plan, going to those clients and saying this is what I've done, this is the successes that I've done through my marketing material their way. So my hesitation was just hesitation. Yeah, was yeah, just okay, yeah, yeah. That kind of little voice in your head, try and overcome that. Easier said than done, but it is just a case of the more that you do something the more that you become comfortable with it. And it's mm. just just human nature, isn't it? Let's just think about that for a second then. What were maybe, and we can go as granular as you want, thinking about that period, obviously we're hesitant because, you know, are we doing this right? Am I going to sound silly? Am I going to come across not credible? Like, am I just going to get rejected, right? I, I, can, I can definitely relate to that. It's really just pushing through that inner voice of, you know, saying, Brian, don't make this call. You could look stupid. Like you just have to push through that. Right. And that is something that if I'm honest, you have to just push through it. There's no other roundabout way really. But I guess what I wanted to ask you was thinking about that period, was there anything that you found yourself latching on to early on that you found maybe worked or, you know, you had some early success with and you're like, you know what, right, I'm going to keep doing this. That's really working for me. What did you find really start work on those early periods on, on the BD side? Was it really making sure that, okay, I've just placed this candidate. Let's really make sure that I maximize that and say, who else do they know? What other hiring managers do they work for that they really rate? Was it more of the candidate play? Was it picking up the phone and speaking to people that they're hiring and more reactive? I don't know. What were some of the sort of early successes that you think that enable you to latch on and then build that confidence? Because that if you can build some evidence and you know you can go, you know what, I've just done these three things and it's really worked. So you can then carry that confidence in other parts of the job. So was there anything that you found early success with that you latched onto that helped? Yeah, so I'd say definitely going back to when we described the Scottish market, it's definitely a fishbowl where if you know one person, they will know someone here, etc, etc. And, you know, you find everyone knows each other. So I would say really, really latch onto your network. And that's what we do as recruiters. You know, we are, our job in a sense is to network. You know, we're talking to people all day. We're talking to clients all day. We're talking to candidates all day. And really, really latch onto that and look at your network and look at who, who you know. So it's, it's doing things, you know, like going to events, you know, or like you said, if you know a candidate and you've 
place them? What's the company that they've came from? What colleagues do they have? If you are working with a leader in the business, you know, if you're taking them out for a drink or you're you're meeting them for a meeting, you're going to be saying, you know, who do you know and just talk about the market. But definitely in Scotland, it's it's so, so small as someone tends to know someone somewhere, you know, through it. There's always a kind of two degrees of separation type thing. So kind of what I utilised probably was that every kind of BD opportunity I saw, they could almost always be a kind of warm lead. And that that's probably kind of what, what I would say is the is the best way to maybe initially approach BD is try and look for those warm leads first rather than just going on going in cold and just jumping on the phone, look at look at who do you know in your network, you know, what how how can you really utilize that network? And as a recruiter, you should be going to events, you should be talking to people and with that if you're doing that over a period of time, if you're just hitting the phone and talking to people, think of it like a spider web is just going to keep growing. And how can you really, really capitalize on that network? What do you define as warm then when you mention that? So for example, I would say I'll use e-commerce as an example. Again, it's kind of, I guess you could kind of say like a subcategory of digital within Scotland. And you could probably say there are under 40 kind of e-commerce managers within Scotland. They go to a lot of meetups together and they all tend to know each other. So I work with this one guy and I know him really well. And he'll very often talk about an e-commerce manager at this business and I'll say, hey, how are you doing? Do you mind doing a little introduction for me? So, you know, it's just, does this person know that person? Are there meetups happening? Have they previously worked together? Again, if you're market mapping, did this person work with that person there? Again, as a recruiter, we become serial stalkers, don't we? And again, that's a kind of number one piece of advice I would say as well is always do your research when you are going to BD, you're talking to new clients, whether you are going and warm, like I said, or cold, really do your research and know where they came from, know what they've done, but always kind of build out your kind of market map of who you're going after, who's been there and here and everywhere. And curious, what have you found to be the most effective way to get introductions? Probably recently, the event that I'm running, which again, I know we'll be talking about, I'm finding it's a really good BD tool because I, you know, I can go to people and there's, there's not a great deal of like kind of like marketing meetups and events within Scotland. And that was something I identified. So I can approach people and there's a few clients where you want via doing that and saying, do you want to be part of our future event? Do you want to attend? And you're going in there with another agenda. But again, thinking of the long-term game, there was a client I maybe spoke with six months ago and they've just came to me saying, we actually are going to kick off recruitment now. So always think that kind of long-term game Talk to people, do introductions, let them know your value, your worth, what you can bring to the business. But don't think you need to make money off them there and then just think of building the connection mm. and almost kind of building that business friendship. So why don't we, because we can obviously mention the uh, events a couple of times there. Why don't we, I think a good way to talk about this would be, let's talk about obviously right now, like in the most current period, I think what would be really helpful for people is talking, getting your perspective on we're talking about business development here. So uh, I think it'd be really good mm. just to hear your take on, let's just say you mentioned a spider diagram there. If we were to think about Brian's business development strategy, Brian's business development approach, and we'd think of a pie chart, let's break down this pie chart. You know, what, what makes up this pie chart in terms of you being successful at BD and building relationships and getting in front of people that, you know, you might be able to work with now or in the long term. what makes up this pie chart, you know? So you've mentioned the events, we've spoken about leveraging your network that you build connections with and getting referrals. What else is made up in this overall BD strategy? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, like you said, it probably would be hard to kind of break the percentages down exactly, but I would just kind of say with, with the event, leveraging that and seeing who's attending our event, who's interested, who can we reach out to to participate in future. So that in itself is a whole kind of BD tool. And then just trying to get introductions from my network is another big thing as well. We've generated a lot of just even inbound business via that, which is 
fantastic and big business kind of, you know, the, the more the better. But definitely, I would say in my market, you know, I tend to be kind of going after maybe like head of marketing, that type of thing. And there wouldn't be like if you're recruiting in sales or not just people sitting by their phone, you know, but they definitely are. The, it's the type of market where they are on LinkedIn a lot. You know, they're very active on there, you know, so it definitely is about, I would say that would be my kind of number one tool mm-hmm. would be LinkedIn. Definitely recruiters come in all shapes and sizes, you know, and some people like hitting the phone and p- picking that up and doing it that way. I definitely would say I always try and kind of almost edge the door open a little bit and then kind of start going in a bit more heavy, I would say. So I, I would say that would be my kind of biggest tool. But again, if I'm approaching a business on LinkedIn and they're recruiting for a couple of roles, it's thinking, do I know someone in that business or does that person know someone there? Again, it's, it's trying to just show some kind of relevance or if it's a business that is a 25 mil e-commerce turnover and going to them and saying, I help build a team in a business that's similar size from scratch. Mm. So I would definitely say LinkedIn would probably be my biggest tool using the power of my network. Again, people I recruited five years ago are now mm. in management roles now as well. So de- definitely leveraging that, thinking that long-term kind of goal as well, Look at looking at your network from years back and thinking as that person became a hiring manager, can they get me into HR? And then using the event as well. So it, it comes through lots of different channels. And I guess I guess when it comes to BD, it's, it's definitely thinking of as many different ways you can bring business on. You know, it's not just picking up the phone or just LinkedIn messages. What else can you do? But can you also attend events as well? So it's great events are back on now as well. Amazing, great to be getting out there and seeing people as well. And again, just meeting people in person as well, having conversations. I think it's thinking of lots of different avenues and bringing them all together. No, I think that's great for people to recognize that there isn't just one single way. And if you are just very reliant on one method, one approach, then you're vulnerable, right? Because as soon as that stops working, what else have you got in your arsenal? And I think what I want everyone listening to take away here, which I think is really important, we've spoken a lot about mindset. The way that you're talking about things is you view everyone that you connect, build relationships with, Uh, almost under the same category. We could call them customers. We could call them people, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think where sometimes people really struggle when they're on this 360 journey is it's like, right, Mm -hmm. 9 to 1 p.m., I've got my candidate hat on and I'm just speaking to candidates and I'm qualifying and I'm finding out, are they happy? Do they not like their manager? What salaries they're looking for? I'm pitching jobs. And then, okay, 2 till 5 p.m., Brian, I'm going to be doing my business development. I'm then maybe even calling the same people, but, you know, I've got my advisors on and going, hey, do you have these challenges at the moment? I've got this candidate. Do you want to speak to them and I think everything that you just discussed that you haven't you never once sort of you know compartmentalized candidates and clients and I think that's something that people really should consider is the best recruiters are speaking to people and are open-minded to hey let's build a relationship with this person let's connect with them and let's gather information which maybe I could use now in the short term on the candidate side of things maybe I could use on the client side of things but really making sure that you put everyone under the same banner and you don't find yourselves putting on, you know, your candidate visors on and your your client visors on. So I really uh, appreciate you uh, sharing that. Let's talk about specifically the event then. Like you've mentioned around yes. LinkedIn utilizing that. I can definitely tell, you know, looking at your LinkedIn, you're consistently sharing content. I think you're building your your brand. I think if someone's to land on your profile, they'd probably have a better chance of understanding, you know, if I speak to Brian or I work with Brian, what that might feel like i think you've done a really good job of that obviously the events have been a more recent thing it'd be really interesting why don't you i think people want to know and i know you're early on in this journey so you can sort of be honest with us how have you you know used this channel and vehicle to help on specifically you know speak to companies and speak to organizations on the just to sort of pull it in a section at the moment the bd side Mm because i literally had a phone call today from a founder who again a bit like you 
really committed to building community, wants to give value, and they're consistently doing that. But sometimes struggles when to know, you know, to flip the conversation or at least say, hey, Brian, look, you know, these marketing meetups we do, look, that's important to us. We want to build a community. But by the way, we can help you find amazing marketing managers. You know, like how have you found so far navigating the look, we're not an events company, we're a recruitment company. Let's have that conversation, you know, because that's part of the game. So how have you found introducing that? How have you approached it so far? This podcast is proudly sponsored by Vincere. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of the recruitment operating system. Disjointed tech systems are painful for growing recruitment companies. Too much admin, bad data, and no visibility. It's holding back recruitment organizations. Meet Vincere. Vincere is the creator of the recruitment operating system, a modern operating system for recruitment and staffing agencies worldwide. This natively integrated tech platform syncs data and workflows across recruitment agencies, front, middle, and back offices. Start off with a suite of modules, a core CRM, ATS, advanced reporting and analytics, video interviewing, and more. That's just their core product. Vincere also works with a pre-integrated access products to expand your tech capabilities. Link up your recruitment websites powered by Volcanic or cover screening and pay and bill with the fast track integration. It's time to unite front middle and back offices on a single recruitment technology platform. Unleash growth without gravity. Let's go. Find out more on vincere.io. And because you listen to this podcast, you get a discount. Check it out. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, I would think definitely. So kind of going back to what I was saying about treating everyone the same, you know, in, in recruitment, you know, everyone's humans at the end of the day, we're all people. So it's kind of throwing that away and not being intimidated by people. But one thing that I would say is when I deal with clients, I'm totally myself, you know, I've definitely approached everything with a sense of humor. Maybe I've not got the best humor, you know, but when, it, when I'm chatting to people, they, I can tend to just be open with clients and candidates if I'm being totally honest. So what we're trying to do just now, we're away to go into our second event so our second meetup now and we've sold well over 100 tickets so fantastic that is all great but what we're looking to do now is we're building our slate for probably our next three events so just now i'm speaking to several businesses agencies businesses with the large marketing departments and i'm speaking to the to the head of marketing we're still in early days you know so we are still in early days where we're confirming how they're going to fit into the slots and the topics and what they're going to talk about but when i'm chatting with them i probably just um real and honest to be honest and they, they they know that i'm a recruiter and when i'm saying my kind of my well my proposition is and what i'm about i'm not a marketeer i am a recruiter but i really care about the industry and i really care about the sector and i'm trying to build a community because i've seen a gap there in the scottish market and there's a lack of community there's a lack of togetherness so when i'm speaking a bit of a long-winded answer sorry but i'm speaking to people probably i'm just pretty honest i'm like i'm a recruiter and this is what i do as you said i've got a lot of it on my linkedin there i've got you know nice kind of sexy pitch decks and wee pdfs i can send to them just kind of saying this this is what i do and i'm really good at it and i'm really passionate about it and i'll tend to know their business and know what they do mm -hmm. so again i would just say i'm pretty upfront and i'm not trying to kind of beat about the bushes and but i'm also trying not to jump on them mm -hmm. i would say that's that's the way i approach things i would just say talk to people 
like their people rather than their sales targets. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is in all these interactions, so you speaking to these people, the first thing is obviously you're enabling yourself to speak to these people about your event, which maybe you might not be able to speak to these people if you're trying to spec in a candidate, have a networking call, whatever, right? So that's the first thing. But I guess what it sounds like is, you know, every time you're having these calls and interactions, you're educating them on who you are, what you do, what you're about. So it means that, Obviously, you're speaking about the event, but at the end of each interaction, they get off that call and understand, okay, well, Brian does that. And I know that he does that as well as trying to, you know, build a community for marketers in the Scotland market. Exactly. And it's it's a case of, you know, there people ask you how your day is and you're doing good things, you're doing good recruitment. And it's it's that case of, you know, never, never, never brag, but you know, definitely be be sure of yourself and know your worth and know that if you're good at what you do, you're good at what you do, you know, and communicate that, but, you know, not kind of bragging and boasting, but definitely it's, um, it is that piece I would just say of kind of being authentic and just kind of being real with them. But again, it's going back to that piece I said about kind of long-term game as well, you know, so it might be that maybe they are a PSL business and there's so many hurdles to get through to win them as business, you know, I'm not going to win them in two, three, four months, you know, it might not be until the next financial year, you know, so it, it's not always going to everything with an agenda as well. Again, it's that kind of piece of treating people like people and not just thinking of kind of mm. pound dollar signs above their head. I think in business, if you're a good person and you're authentic in yourself, I, I do think that can get you pretty far. I think especially with recruiters, it's, it's an industry where there can be you know it can be tarnished with a bad brush sometimes which is why you know you're kind of doing what you're doing and I think if you're just yourself and you're a good person I think that's such an, a good way to win business as well if you know your stuff and you're a good person people recognize that as well you know and that, that's what I would say a lot of my network know a lot of the clients I work with clients I worked with back in 2018 still working with today and they just kind of know me I'm the, the chatty guy who speaks a lot of rubbish but we get on really well we've got a good friendship we can have a laugh you know we can talk about our weekends you know just be yourself be a good person don't just always think sales you know but also think commercial obviously there's business to run you yeah know? of course and then let, just to get practical on this for a second as well Give us some examples on how you've used this event or the event that you're now hosting to, you know, open up doors with people that you haven't been able to speak to before. Are we, what does that actually look like? And what does that actually sound like? Are you reaching out to Brian and say, hey, Brian, look, may have noticed that we've recently launched a marketing event. Reason for that is this. Would you be against connecting on, you know, finding out a bit more for it could be useful for your team? Like, what does this actually look like, you know, in, in practice? Yeah, exactly. So just exactly like you said, just reaching out to people, you know, whether that's you know an email, a call or a LinkedIn and just reaching out to people. And typically what I would say when we're doing each event is um, in Scotland, every marketer, regardless of the level, is aware that there are a lack of events in Scotland in the tech community, for example. Yeah, there's really cool monthly meetups that happen. You know, they, they talk tech, they have pizza, that type of thing. It's not really been a thing in marketing. So already when I approach people, it's almost just extending a hand and kind of extending an invite. So it'd be really awesome to have you the next event. You know, we're trying to bring together lots of like-minded individuals and bring together, you know, the best talent in Scotland, you know, into a room, you know. So it's almost kind of extending a hand and kind of giving them something, kind of scratching their back because chances are if they're really into their sector and they're passionate, they'll identify there is a lack of this networking, a lack of these events. And typically people will come back and they, they will say it, really admire what you're doing. It's great to see someone's really taking the lead, taking the charge, trying to build something. So it, it's really just reaching out with that kind of 
warm hand really and kind of saying it'd be great to have you along and um, there's been several clients I've done that with they came to the event or they're coming to future events or are going to speak at future events and we're having coffees and we're talking about business and talking about what I do again I'm not selling what I do but I'm just telling them what I do and I am credible and I'm I am good at what I do, you know, and again, that's kind of, it's that kind of thing. And again, my personal brand on LinkedIn, it's something I definitely know I can be better with. You know, you're all say a whiz, you know, when it comes to that. But, you know, it's that whole thing of um, being the first person that they think of when they think recruitment. Mm. And what have been some of your biggest wins so far? Yeah, so as in kind of client-wise for the events. Just, or, I don't know, any, what, what would you say is like, let's talk commercials. People may think events have already been done. You've obviously recognised an opportunity, which I think is awesome. You've taken action. I'm sure there's people sitting in your market going, oh, I've, I've had that idea, but you know, you, you've taken action. So give us a bit of a snapshot of one of the wins that you've had. Maybe you met a candidate that you ended up placing or, you know, the recruiters want to know, right, is this, you know, is this impacting the targets that we're trying to hit you know yeah 100 percent. so we had one client that we're going to get involved in a future event kind of social media orientated agency and we reached out to them about speaking at a future event met up for a coffee lovely guy he's building a business up and he's a way to go through a lot of growth working with some really cool brands like skyscanner and i want him as a client just because he was pretty transparent it's just like i've spoken to a lot of recruiters and i've just had terms and documentation thrown at me whereas we've met up we've chatted with the market bashed your brains together and with the same vibe i can tell you really care you know yourself so one that uh, just now i'm in conversations with a massive media agency they're up and down the uk several offices so again that could be something really major and they've managed to organically grow their team within scotland but they're a way to, again to kind of go through that hyper growth phase and really really scale at some rate which they just wouldn't be able to do organically in future so again the md of that business is going to speak at a future event and we'll be looking to hopefully partner with them in future as well and it was also another e-commerce business where kind of reached out about them attending our event they are in a very obscure location so that wasn't right for them and they weren't able to attend but it opened up a conversation and again we met for a coffee had a good chin wag and I've got a ton of interviews booked in with them this Happy week days, you know so it. it's just about chatting you know just having conversations with people it's it's almost I always say it's trying to kind of creak that door open a little bit you know just slightly get it open and just go in and be yourself you mentioned the terms obviously we're, we're really focused on this bd topic here but i know that this is what people need help with brian i'm sure you know i know the two people in your team are hopefully going on that journey at some point on the 360 side right how have you approached negotiating fees with clients because i think that's also something that can be daunting at the beginning you know the first i always remember my first sort of pitch around these are my terms this is why i'm selling harder so like why it's 20 percent and these things let me ask it this way what did it sound like or look like when brian was pitching terms and fees and percentages in the past when maybe you know there's room for improvement and then we can talk about how sort of it looks like now and how you've improved it like what did it sound like that you think you know what wasn't that great, but you know, I was starting out as learning. What did it used to sound like when you was negotiating fees and objection handling? How did you approach pitching your service and, and your fees? 100% so way back when it was baby Brian who was you know having a cry a cry here and there and um, it definitely was trying to probably go in too early with that you know and always it probably was 
thinking, I would kind of go to clients, like, oh, terms are usually around this level. You know, you're, I think as a recruiter, you sometimes kind of undervalue yourself sometimes and you kind of say, you're not, terms are normally around this. And, you know, if your terms are whatever percentage, you'll go in with that percentage, which is just like the opposite of good negotiation. You just kind of go in and I don't know if this is a bit of a crude phrase, but you kind of drop your pants, mm. don't you? Because you're just, you're earlier in your journey, you're trying to impress, do the right thing. As you get further on and you kind of, you know yourself more, you know your marking more and you know you're, you're good at what you do. I probably go in with the terms at the very, very end, to be honest. You know, it probably is one of the very last questions that they ask. And before I'm even hitting them with that, those terms, that, that percentage, you, you know, whatever it may be. You know, they know what I can do, what businesses I worked with. You know, again, it's about building that online brand on my LinkedIn. I think I've got like nearly 60 recommendations, all relevant to the market that I work in, things like that. And I've got really nice kind of we pitch decks. I've had my marketing guys create that type of thing. So they already know what I can do and they probably know from the conversations or, you know, like I said, I always try and meet my clients for a coffee. They probably know that I can achieve and I can add value. Again, it's that if you're talking with a client, you're listening to them. And you're identifying their problems and then you're adapting your pitch to basically say you can fix those problems and then when you've got them who client and sinker then go in with the terms and again be cheeky put a couple of percentage up as to what normally your organization does that type of thing you know you know and if you maybe have to drop out a wee bit you can but it's not going to be below where it should be you know so so definitely um sell your worth sell your value and think terms at the very end because I think it's something you get scared with you think oh terms mm. and signing a contract and stuff and really it's a tiny piece of the whole process it's mm. all right I've got some questions on this because I think this would be really helpful for people so just quickly first one I want to speak about this pitch deck because I think this is something I've been speaking to quite a few recruiters about it's something that I've implemented in my own sales process and, and it's been a real game changer but the first thing I just wanted to ask you because I'm sure you might run into this maybe with your team when you'll talk to them about you know doing BD terms all that is they might go Brian how can I speak to them about fees and terms at the end when it's the first thing they ask me what's your response well, to that you know because uh, you know you've got your yeah. process you want to showcase your credibility you're like no 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 let yeah, me show yeah, you yeah. my value let me show you what i'm about and they're like brian yeah totally. look, we can only get this signed off we can only do 18 percent. so what are your percentages like how does this work how have you navigated that because that's tough right yeah no absolutely and probably i always kind of try and think i always kind of try and pitch before i've even had that first call so you've obviously got your actual proposal mm. document we've tried to kind of make ours a little bit sexier mm. and we've got awesome graphic designers who's done a great job on that so we have that which goes after we've had the initial conversation but i even just have a kind of wee document that has all my testimonials and even i link people to my linkedin and say you know there's all those recommendations there so chances are they've already kind of done a wee stock with me and they kind of know what i'm capable with so i'm always trying to kind of think push credibility, prove that we can do the job before we're even having that conversation. But if the clients ask about it, just go in and just be sure, just be sure of yourself trying, you know, if that voice is in your head and you're trying to kind of go in and drop your pants, just try and say, nah, just say no to that voice and just go in and just be like, this is our terms, this is what we do, but this is the value that we can add. And um, if they obviously talk about, you know, negotiating terms, you know, we can we can say that's something we can discuss, you know, later, we can discuss it later, but let's have the conversation first before we, before we do that before we put a signature on the dotted line so I, I would always say I try and maybe skirt around it a little bit and 
build that relationship and build that credibility before doing that. So I know that's kind of like a round. No, no, no. You've answered it by saying, you've answered by saying, Hey, look, if you're in that position, sometimes, you know, you have to own it and be like, okay, look, this person needs to know. And I've been there. And I think the advice is own it, you know, don't say like, look, so absolutely. I can explain those for you. So if this is contingent, then we'll be working on 20% rate, 20% of the uh, salary. That's how we work. These are our terms and then be quiet. Don't say anything, you know, don't keep blabbling on, like trying to justify it, like just own it and be sure. Like you said, I think that that's the advice. But let me just come back to the pitch deck, because I think that this would be really interesting for people, if you you don't mind. So when would you be introducing this pitch deck, for example? Because you mentioned quite a few facets there. So I'm assuming that, I don't know, maybe we've had a bit of an initial conversation, Brian, and it made sense that we book in a call, maybe video, maybe in person, where we're going to talk about you potentially helping my organization or us partnering. So I'm assuming there's been some Mm -hmm. sort of dialogue, some sort of connect and, and chat before. We've then booked in time to chat. And this is in this chat, we're then gonna, I don't know, we might then have this chat and then we do the pitch deck. I don't know, you tell me the typical process, but I wanna know when you typically introduce this pitch deck and use those assets to, you know, demonstrate value, demonstrate case studies, testimonials, and then followed by, and these are our terms and how we work together. When, when do you introduce that? What's the process? Yeah, so we've kind of got our more like in-depth pitch deck, which is the, you know, the one where they're gonna have to go away and proper read everything. And we do, we do have a kind of smaller little, it's more of a kind of like two page or PDF in that base case where it's high linked like our LinkedIn or our contact details and that is client testimonials and candidate ones and they tend to cover the market and sometimes I even have one that's more geared towards e-commerce ones geared more towards PPC SEO that type of thing so say I'm I'm trying to go after you know after a prospective client you know via just LinkedIn or email that like little mini pitch yeah you might attach that. it there okay I got you yeah I actually just fired it on straight away and I've actually got a meeting with a guy next week and it literally was that was it was a cold LinkedIn I saw so he's been going through some really nice growth and we've got a chat next week and the testimonials I sent over, I got my designer to edit some bits and it basically was businesses that were like identical to his like business. Those, yeah. So straight away he's going to open that and he's going to go, yeah, yeah, like that That guy can clearly recruit for my business and he's. He, I could see you mm. my LinkedIn profile. So I'd probably be a wee bit bold and already put that over straight away. But again, we're recruiters and I, I think I'm more in tune with this because I recruit in marketing, but also think as well, you're having to market yourself. So everything you do, your copywriting, mm. your material, all of that needs to be top notch because otherwise the next recruiter is going to have do it better than you aren't they? yeah okay no i really like that thank you for sharing that so i'm just gonna press you a bit here so we've got the two page a bit more high level i think what i want everyone to underline here right we've done some training at, on this at recruitment mentors and so many recruiters don't use testimonials and case studies they don't so many don't so what yeah. brian is talking about here is brian isn't doing the talking his track record is So for all of you that aren't utilizing your testimonials, LinkedIn testimonials, case studies in your sales process, when you're reaching out to people, start because you'll stand out. And all of a sudden it isn't Brian, the recruiter sounding like everyone else saying, Hey, Mm -hmm. give me a chance. Look, you should speak to me. This is the reason it's like, Hey, look, just so you know, looks like you're going on this growth journey. We've actually helped companies similar to yours. This is what their experience was like. Would you be against booking in a conversation to see if it would make sense for us to get to know each other a bit more, right? So that's done the talking. So I guess all I want to know is, let's say then we have the chat. So that conversation you've had in, when do you use the more in-depth pitch deck? out of interest yeah so chances are i've you know i've either cold called him or i've done linkedin yeah. an email and we've had that that initial conversation is about getting to know one another it's a chemistry call essentially isn't it you know and you know i'm 
finding out what their issues are, listening to them, you know, what's what's their growing mm. pains, you know, what are they going through, what's their problems right now, is their is their recruitment supplier not hitting the mark, that type of thing, listening to it, and then looking at how we can solve that, and then adjusting your pitch accordingly, and then after that would tend to be when we would send over the more in-depth kind of proposal mm. document, and then if they're happy with that, do the terms, yeah. you know, digital sign, that type of thing. But typically I would say, and again, I, I think it's because I always tend to have quite natural conversations with kind of prospective clients, probably after that first call, probably by the time the call's over, you probably know if you want to work mm. with one another or not. And again, it's, it's about trying to kind of build that familiarity, building that relationship up. And again, I think it is just by being natural and being yourself. I really like that chemistry call. I like the way, yeah, because like what in my sales process, I would have a discovery call. That's what I would call it. And then put what I would do, I know it's different, but I would then, if it makes sense to you, I would then be like, okay, Brian, look, from what I've learned today, I feel like we could actually potentially help your business. These are the reasons why. Would you be against giving me another hour of your time, 45 minutes, however, and I'm going to walk you through how I believe we can help you um, and why we could potentially be, you know, be a good partner for you. So do, it sounds like then after that chemistry call, are you then sending over the pitch that you don't book in time to go through it? It depends on the buying signals, you know, and it, it depends how they're, you know, how they're feeling. I've had a lot of those conversations before and straight away you can tell they're keen, yeah. you can tell they're sold and that's it. And you're, you're happy to go and you're ready. You're thinking, right, we're going to do a site visit. We're going to onboard the roles. Fantastic. That's what you want. Sometimes client might say they want to go away and, you know, think about it. I, I, I had a chemistry call with, with a client the other week and it went pretty well but he hadn't worked with recruiters before because they had always kind of recruited organically so what i then did was i went on site and we had a conversation and from there it's just kind of reading the room again we're dealing with humans everyone's very different you know some people will will put up a shield and they'll kind of have you know kind of keep recruiters at arm's length and you have to try and break through that shield so again it's just kind of reading the room i suppose and again that's kind of not a straight up answer but i think it is just in recruitment you need to be you need to adapt so much and i don't think you can do a kind of one size fits all approach as i said sometimes you know if someone's keen again if you speak to a candidate you know if they want to go for the job or not or they might want to go away and think so again what can you do and if they're not on board and you don't think you're going to be working with them the next day and be going to that next stage, then say, right, well, let's meet up and let's let's have a coffee and you can do some more more research. I can yeah, I can send over the proposal document. And again, our proposal document is very soft. It's more about kind of what we do. It's more about how we market roles. It's more about what we have done. It's less about terms and it's less about the mm. corporate stuff. It's, it's a nice kind of user-friendly document, you know? So again just read the room and kind of that that's just the number one thing is you just you just need to adapt to every single individual you're dealing with in recruitment it's just you can you can all use the same principle for every client and every person is there anything that you've recently you know adapted added change to your sales process that you think's had a real positive impact recently yeah so i probably would say it was um it probably was kind of adding that first initial document definitely nice. like that was a kind of really good idea like that definitely helped and the way i think about it is, is say not saying i'm an athlete or something but say say if you're an athlete and you were good at what you did chances are you've got your trophies in a mm. cabinet and i think recruiters kind of need to think like that a bit more you know if you if you have helped that business scale you've done this you've done all those achievements and that's why you should have all the recommendations you should have that on a wee proposal document i think you should definitely again it's that fine line between boasting and being aware and showcasing your achievements you know so definitely that and the the number one thing i would say as well maybe not so recently probably more kind of last six months is definitely trying to do the face-to-face -face meetings a hundred percent i think 
I feel like a lot of my clients are still adapting to, you know, doing face-to-face meetings. They're used to just jumping on Teams, but again, it's so important to build that chemistry. And again, just go for a coffee, go grab wee Starbucks and get to know them as a person and build build that friendship. I love it. I know we've gone super granular here on BD, but honestly, I, 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 I know, know, I know, I know. <laughs> honestly, Brian, there's so many sort of nuggets in there and I know there's so many things that yeah, people can take away. Good. And that, that's what it is. People yeah. want to listen to this sort of stuff and, you know, be able to apply good. stuff. So for me, if I'm listening right now and I haven't got any sort of, you know, sales assets or mm. sales collateral, that would be the number one thing that I'd be going, hey, right, my manager, yeah. can you help me create this? This is something that I need. It's going to help me. Yeah. And like you said, it isn't about boasting. It's about having other people give you credibility and sort of vouch for what you're saying to people. Sure. And let's be honest, like for me, this is how I find it as well, is when you have these things created and you can see them in front of you these case studies or testimonials it gives you more fucking confidence it makes you more sure of yourself like this is what it's about like you can outwork your self-doubt you can create more evidence to back up why you shouldn't doubt yourself like you know Mm -hmm. and and that's something that you should absolutely be utilizing as a recruiter particularly as things get more tighter budgets potentially get more tighter it's like look you need to be sure of yourself and use your track record and what you've worked hard to do to do the speaking for you so look i think what you've spoken a lot about in this episode is is owning who you are, being yourself. So what advice would you have for people that are struggling to walk into their power and and be themselves and, you know, find that difficult? Because it's easy to sort of hear you say, yeah, look, be yourself. What would be your advice for someone listening to this? You know, find that difficult. They feel like they have to have that work work mask on. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you give to them to, you know, lean into that power and and own who they are, which actually is going to, you know, be the best thing they can do for their career? Definitely. It's a journey for sure. Like way back when I was at school, I was like the bullied little gay nerd (laughs) when I was at school. So it's taken probably for me, recruitment probably has enabled me to become that confident person and, you know, to become sure of myself. So for that, I'm so grateful to recruitment in the business I work for, you know, because I've been able to really grow and kind of flower as a person because I was, like I said, I was a different pie way back. But I probably would say it would be the people you surround yourself with and the leaders in your business and the business that you are working for. The business that I work in, we, we were always more of a STEM recruiter, you know, so they were always doing kind of tech, you know, kind of dev type stuff and engineering manufacturing. And my directors, they've let me grow a division and they've honestly just kind of let me go and do my own thing and have completely empowered me and kind of offered me that support to do that you know we're a way to kind of do a bit of a brand relaunch where it can be nine to eight marketing and digital and really go hard after that so what i would probably say is and this is probably an extreme thing to say but probably just make sure you're in the right business and you're surrounded by the right people because I've, I've worked with a lot of people who maybe worked in quite corporate environments and they were in corporate i know if if i was in a corporate recruitment business right now where it was like kpis that are, i would not flourish i i would have not done well at all so i would say just think about think about where you are do you have the right influences around you it's that whole thing isn't it of you know you surround yourself you know you're a result of the five people you surround yourself with type thing so make sure you're really in tune with that and think about how you can flourish and who's actually gonna who's gonna lead you and who's gonna grow you great advice brian thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away. As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're a online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. 
chance, if you're a recruitment business owner listening to this, there's a good chance that you value self-development, personal development. You're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement. But we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people, how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time, without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers. And we've ended up being a really great fit, modern fit, for recruitment teams. We can ultimately help you get more out of your teams by giving your people access to modern and engaging online learning, which they can access on demand. The thing that's really cool about what we're doing at Recruitment Mentors is that all of the people that your teams are able to learn from and the people that are delivering the learning content are people that are in role right now. They're billing, they're actively facing the challenges that your teams are, and a lot of the time they're amongst the top performers within their companies, which means your teams are gonna be way more confident to learn and spend time on their learning when they know they're learning from people that are doing it right now, have been there and done it. There's nothing worse than feeling like training is not relevant and not current. The best place to find out more about Recruitment Mentors and if we can help you accelerate your team's performance is uh, send me a message on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn directly and I'd love to connect with you and, and find out if we can help you get more out of your people.